Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 158, my friends. Today we have Mahima. She just goes by Mahima, like, you know, Madonna or Prince or, you know, uh, any of these others, which is there's a ton of power in that. She is from Zimbabwe. She has built a massive empire of, number one, she's a, a mentor, a mindset trainer. She's also a uh, an award-winning speaker and a best-selling author. And she's founder of the Mahima Mindset, you know, .com is the website, the Mahima Mindset. It's M-A-H-I-M-A, the Mahima Mindset. And anyway, she's done all kinds of amazing things. She's been all over the world, uh, spoken to and helped tens of thousands of people She's been on stage with guys like Richard Branson, so there's a ton of credibility here, and she brought a lot of great, great stories to the table. Um, She focuses a lot on a lot of areas, but really, really coming to terms with and in tune with ourselves, and a lot of that is through things like meditation. And so we talk all about all that stuff, just a really fascinating interview. By the way, she said this is her first podcast that she's actually (laughs) ever been on. She's done lots of other interviews and stuff but as far as a podcast like this this is her first time doing it so that's our privilege today she came to us today from switzerland of all places which is a beautiful beautiful place i haven't been to but i've seen lots of pictures so i can say from the pictures beautiful place full of beautiful people like Mahima. and uh, i would just add that because of some of the distance or whatever there were a couple little internet issues here and there so i'm doing my best to kind of make sure that that's uh, edited properly so that it comes through well but if there's a few little snags or whatever just uh, let's roll with it regardless great great conversation i think you're going to get a lot of great value here before we jump into that you know the drill i want to remind you as always you are absolutely priceless please 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 do not forget that please remind yourself of that on a regular basis like i always have been saying especially lately we need to stay in tune uh, this is again some of what we talked about today in this in this podcast interview but you it, it's it doesn't hurt to go look yourself in the eye in the mirror and say these things have some affirmations of other things that you want and that you want to be able to see come out of yourself as well things that matter to you and it might take some soul searching it might take some introspective meditation to get some clarity on those things but as you do all that you're going to see that value and that foundation that's already there but you're going to become you know in tune with it such that you can actually make it flourish so you are priceless and of course along with that you're never alone please please always uh, reach out you know friends family neighbors but also me you know co-workers whatever you've got you can reach out info at empowerhumans.com at empower 101 on instagram and twitter and uh, other places we've also got our empower humans uh tiktok which i haven't been doing a lot with in the last several weeks but uh, we're going to get back in gear here soon and on that note before we jump into our challenges real fast uh, this will probably be our last episode for a couple weeks until I think August 15th or so. Uh, we have another episode coming out that you're going to love. It's already ready to go, but uh, I'm going to be traveling, doing some other things just nearby, nothing too extravagant. I thought about doing some something a little more uh, you know, extravagant at the moment, but because of the whole thing and the COVID and the traveling and everyone's traveling all at once and a lot of difficulties surrounding that, I've decided, okay, I'm going to push some of that back and I'm just going to go visit some friends and family, uh, go boating with some friends and go do a couple other simple things kind of in, the, in our 
area here, not too far, maybe up into Utah and stuff. So um, anyway, no episode until August 15th or so. I believe the 15th is a Sunday. Uh, yeah, it must be because my birthday, my, my son's birthday is August 8th, and that I know is a Sunday, so seven days later will be the 15th. <laughs> so watch for that, and uh, in the meantime, you can reach out as, as usual and stuff, but uh, uh, I want to remind you of our challenges. Study. Keep studying. Start studying. Like I said last week, I just got my boys some new books at the library, and uh, they've been doing great things with that. You get things that you're into, things that resonate with you. you. We don't have to force things, but if there's something we need to learn or develop or get past ourselves, sometimes we need to pick up those things, those kind of books, audio books, whatever. But there's some real just value in studying and bringing some power from external sources into our lives, into our minds, into our hearts. So I advise, I admonish at a very high level, please, please do that. Uh, I use the Hoopla digital app. I use the Libby app that tie into the local library systems. You can get books for free. Of course, there's always Amazon and Audible and tons of other resources as well. I mean, we're in a, in a day and age that we don't have a lot of excuses. So find something to study to stimulate your mind and stay in tune. Uh, the second challenge, make great moments. I've been really loving spending time with my boys this summer. And you start to get to a place where you start to prioritize that stuff because you realize, boy, this is where the real meat and potatoes of life is. This is where the real value is. Making great moments can be any number of things. It can be with, uh, I, you know, I would submit it's loved ones. It's with people and making the people that matter most matter most and uh, showing that because love my friends is a verb not just a noun so surprise people spend time with people sit watch a movie with people cuddle with somebody surprise and get flowers delivered those are the kinds of things that make life magical and uh, i encourage all of us to lift our mindset and approach to something that is a higher level in that department. So make great moments, something to strive for. These will be pillars in our lives to overshadow all the other nonsense and failures and stuff that we all deal with. Don't feel alone in that department. We already covered some of that. But the last challenge, as you know, is very simple. Let's keep doing this podcast together. Uh, even though we're going to be gone for a couple weeks, um, I want to encourage you to enjoy your time. Go back and listen to some of the old episodes in the meantime. And uh, boy, we've got 100. This is a, what, episode 158. So we've got a lot of stuff you can go back and listen to. Uh, so go find it. You know, Go look, find something that sounds uh, interesting to you or somebody that does and go listen to those episodes. We've interviewed Elena Cardone, Lisa Bilyeu, uh, you know, guys from the band Korn and uh, all kinds of other uh, cool stuff that I like. We, we interviewed Tom Ziegler, the son of the late, great Zig Ziegler, episode 50, I think, way back in the day. Um, so anyway, go back and listen to some of those. And without anything else, without any further ado, I just appreciate and am flattered, of course, you spend time with us. We're going to jump right in. Here is our interview with the one and only Mahima. Let's go. We are pleased today to welcome Mahima, who is just amazing, positive, award-winning speaker, and does all kinds of great things, worked with major corporations. Mahima, you've done all kinds of awesome stuff, and I'm very impressed by you. And we were just talking for a few minutes. Coming to us today from uh, Switzerland, am I right? Yes, thank you so much for having me here, Phil. It's such a, a pleasure to to be here and have this conversation with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's our pleasure to have you, to be honest. And uh, by the way, it's 9 a.m. as we record this here in Las Vegas. What time is it there? It's 6 o'clock. 6 p.m. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've just wrapped up a, a, a great day, lots of productivity, lots of things done, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, our Monday's just getting started here. So um, good. Well, it's good to have you. And so tell me a little bit, if you don't mind, about your background. 
And uh, how did we get to this place we are now in Switzerland doing the things you're doing? But uh, and and the, the, it's an open-ended question of what what would you like to share of your background? Because I know you're from Zimbabwe and you have a lot of uh, really interesting history. But tell me about it. I would love to tell you a little bit about Zimbabwe, um, my upbringing. You know, I was born into apartheid. I don't know if you know what that is. Yes. Um, yeah, so my, you know, I was born in 1971. Um, Zimbabwe was under apartheid when I was born. It gained independence uh, in, uh, I believe, 1980, so in the 80s. So at that point, I was already nine, ten years old. So I would say that my my childhood, early childhood, is... It's, it's tainted by those experiences, right? Because of segregation, they had segregation. Um, even at schools, I was not allowed to go to certain schools um, until later on in my life. Um, but, you know, from, from the age of 10 onwards, I could go to this um, special school that previously had been a, a whites-only school. Um, growing up, I stayed with my grandmother because my mother couldn't afford to keep my sister and I with her at home because mm -hmm. she had to go to work and she wasn't earning enough money with what opportunities were out there for her. She actually worked as a nurse in a hospital. And so she, we needed to stay with my grandmother from the age of five until the age of 10. I actually lived with my grandmother and actually some of my other cousins because my mom's sisters had similar problems. And so the, the kids were sort of sent off to grandmother's house, right? And everyone put money into that pot for, child, uh, for um, a nanny to be able to look after all of us during the daytime and then we would go off to our segregated schools and you know sort of <laughs> come home and, yes, and, yeah. and so so just like want to paint just a little picture of some of the different types of things that i went through right and my grandmother she was she was a bit of a, a she was a quite an intense character yeah um highly religious um very strict very strict uh we were we were physically and verbally abused from from my grandmother um and of course she taught that to her daughters because you do mostly until you've had some kind of transformation that what has been done to you you kind of replicate that unless you it's not always the case but often it is the case if you learn certain ways of communicating then you'll start to communicate in that same way right so my mom, um, my aunts, they used to beat the crap out of us. <laughs> oh, I, I, I heard that you've also had a, quite a challenging um, childhood, um, Phil. Is that, is that, am I correct? Yeah, and not so much in that way. It's just, uh, it, in my case, my family situation wasn't a very stable thing. I mean, my parents divorced when I was very young, and I was, you know, probably almost five when they separated and then my mom remarried moved away i this was in albuquerque new mexico here in the united states and she moved to las vegas of all places <laughs> and uh wow. but then we didn't see her much and so it, it was different and then it was all boys i was i'm the youngest of three boys and uh you know how boys can be so in that sense there's some abuse that goes on amongst boys but there was there was nothing 
I mean, it's, it's, you know, apples to oranges a little bit. Plus, you know, you're in Zimbabwe in arguably probably more difficult situation overall, both mm. economically and in your environment and all these things. But yeah. yeah, it wasn't easy. I mean, that's in a nutshell. Um, but I, you know, I still had access to some resources. My dad, you know, God bless him, but he was always broke and stuff, especially in those early years after the divorce. And, um, but and I do say this and I could say it with some authority because I live in the United States. Some of what we think are problems here are, yes, valid problems, uh, but we don't know the poverty and the problems that exist sometimes in other places. It's just some of that doesn't and it's not to make light of some of what goes on here because it is very, very serious. But, you know, you could be homeless and have a smartphone here in the United States, that kind of yeah. thing. And I'm not yeah. that, that doesn't mean most homeless people do, but you, you more probably homeless people here would than maybe in a place like Zimbabwe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I you know, I I was I, I would say that we were we were middle in the middle road like middle class, even though, you know, what I told you about my mom, that was kind of a lot of what the middle class for black people looked like in Zimbabwe. My, yeah. Now yeah. my grandfather, he was born in a hut in Africa. Wow. Yeah, without running water, without electricity, cooking in, a, you know, in, a, in, in the fire um, on inside of, uh, inside of the hut on, on the floor. And I remember, um, us having to go to my um, grandfather, in fact, my great grandmother's home mm -hmm. when we were um, like when I was 12 and we were like these urban kids. Right. Yeah. Um, and we hated going there. My sister, me and all my cousins, because we had to sleep on the floor. There was no toilet. The toilet was like a literally a hole in the ground, which was just awful. There was no shower. They, you know, so so when mom was like, you know, it's school holidays, pack your bags, we're going to, you know, your great grandmother's, I would be like, uh, no, we don't want to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the cool urban kids used of their, you know, of their toilets. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's, that's how I grew up. And, um, you know, at, uh, and, and so then the story kind of progresses to me meeting a, a Swiss guy when I was 20. Uh, sorry, 18. Yeah. Getting into a relationship with him and and kind of at a young age, traveling the world, um, you know, having a beautiful house, swimming pool, jacuzzi, husband, uh, you know, somebody driving. We weren't like, like, like uber, uber rich, but we were well off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I had all of the things that I thought would make me happy while I was, you know, before I was 21. And okay. none of it made me happy at all. I felt miserable. I felt miserable because that's usually what we feel when we haven't learned that external fact, um, things are not what's going to give us happiness, right? So we all, uh, often we're living in the delusion that if we would just get that thing life is going to be so much better and yeah. we're going to be so much happier right mm -hmm. so i guess that young age being married having access to all of that um stuff and freedom and just coming apart emotionally because i still was the wounded child that had been physically 
and mentally abused. I still had the um, victim mindset that had been passed down to me from generation to generation to generation, right? Um, I still had the religious background that in my case uh, was disempowering because I had a lot of fear. I was full of fear about, you know, sinning and the, the devil. And I just didn't know how to deal with any of those concepts, right? And the church that I had to go to uh, when I was growing up was, uh, it was, um, they spoke in Latin, the priest spoke in Latin. And oh, wow. they would, you'd even sing these Latin hymns. Mm-hmm. So I didn't connect to any of this, right? So I just felt terror. That's what I felt um, around that topic. So, so yeah, so I'm, you know, 20 years old. I'm married to the Swiss guy. Um, I've kind of got all the trappings of what a happy life should be like, um, but I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm angry. I'm, um, I'm just, a no- I would say a normal person thinking everything should be fine, but it's not. I find myself arguing a lot with my husband. I find myself not really knowing what to do with myself because, you know, before I met him, I was on a pathway. I, you know, I was, um, I had this amazing opportunity, this job. I gave it all up to go with him to Switzerland, right? Um, and then we came back to Zimbabwe uh, about a year later. And so I hadn't, I, I sort of was lost. I had lost myself. Yeah. And I think a lot of women can maybe relate to that. Getting involved in relationships and losing yourself. Mm. And then you sort of wake up and you're like, well, what happened to my career and my way and what I was getting up to, right? Mm. So all of this led me to kind of have, you know, a moment where it wasn't working out with my husband. We divorced and I was extremely broken, right? Um, I was 21 years old and I just like didn't know what to do with myself. And life has that way of creating magic and beauty and just creating opportunities for us that we'll nev- we never know when they're going to come or how they're going to arrive. But this guy told me, I met this guy um, in Miami, actually, because I had escaped there um, during one of these big arguments with my husband. I went to visit a friend in Miami. And then I met this guy that had been very involved in this ashram in India. And he told me, hey, listen, you should go to India. You're a hot mess. And that would be a great place for you to just start exploring yourself, start putting yourself back together. And it didn't make a lot of sense what he was telling me at the time because I didn't have that language of working on myself spiritually, emotionally, mentally, getting clarity about my visions, um, knowing, taking ownership of my life, stepping out of victim mindset into creator mindset. I didn't know any of these words. So it really didn't mean that much to me. But what resonated with me is that he said, it's very cheap to live in India for a long time. You can stay, you know, with very little money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to my 22-year-old brain, that sounded like a great place to go and just, first of all, go on an adventure. And secondly, the adventure might not, you know, cost all the savings that I had at that point. Right. right? So that was re- the real pull. So then I got I got to India. It's my first day in the ashram. And um, as I said, I arrived there. Literally, my head was spinning. I, I was still trying you know, to understand what had happened in my marriage, 
why it didn't work out. I had no career. I was lost. And in my first ever meditation, I had I had an awakening. That's the best way I can describe it. And I completely went into a state of peace, calm, and serenity that I'd never experienced mm. in my whole adult life consciously. Yeah. And this is after two hours in this meditation where it happened in this hall full of like a thousand people. It's a marble floor. They have this big tent. There's all of these people from all over the world gathered under this tent. Everyone's wearing white. It's, 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 um, it's kind of like this thing that they do in the evening. Um, actually, you needed to either have a maroon robe or a white robe, right? So everyone is in these white robes. I'm thinking, where am I? Full of judgments as I enter this place, fully skeptical, looking at all these people, what's going on here? This place is weird. That's what I'm thinking, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, until I, you know, just, it just happened. I just sat there. I didn't know how to meditate. I looked around. I saw people closing their eyes. I closed my eyes as well. And as I <laughs> sit there listening <laughs> and not even knowing what I'm doing, um, I literally just felt like the teacher was speaking to me. And everything he said made sense. And it was beautiful. And I just became more and more peaceful and quiet. And and that was it. I was hooked. I was hooked onto meditation. I was hooked onto transformation. I immediately started meditating for hours and hours every day. Immediately. Oh. Yeah. That's so... <laughs> well, by the way, and I don't mean to cut in here. I just um, that that first of all, that's an amazing set of stories because there's some chapters that you kind of transition and stuff too. Um, the, the since you're on the meditation topic, I I'm curious because I've talked to people in the past. I've even listened to books and podcasts where, where there's even some folks here in the Western world. Um, I remember talking to somebody about how I'd read that this guy. Uh, I listened to the podcast that he. Um, he sits in silence and meditation for two hours a day. And mm -hmm. I told somebody about that on the podcast and she said, Oh, I couldn't do that. I would, I would lose my crap doing that. It would just be, I couldn't do that. <laughs> and uh, so is, is that what I'm understanding? You were actually, cause you said for hours a day, so that's gotta be at least two. <laughs> um, well, but you I said this first experience was. But, again, sorry, go ahead, Phil. Sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. I just, you said this first experience and you had kind of an awakening moment of sorts, uh, it sounds like, um, but you were there for two hours and, and with over like a thousand people. Is that what it was? Yes. So um, I was so deep into whatever had happened to me that I just kept on sitting on that marble floor with my white robe. The first evening I was there, I just sat and sat and sat. And when I opened my eyes, the hall was empty. The hall was empty. All the people had left and I just continued sitting there. That's how oh. profoundly moved I was by whatever was happening to me. And so I just kind of was like, what is this? And I, you know, I went back to my hotel room. I was still staying in a hotel. It was my first night there. And I just fell asleep. I just fell into deep sleep and I woke up the next morning and the first thing that came into my mind is, is that experience still with me? That experience of peace, of calm, of profound 
stillness. So I sat up in my bed and I just sat and looked and felt. And I still felt that feeling. And I just stayed there. And that's how I started. Literally, I'd started meditating two hours every morning. I would meditate two hours in the evening at sunset. And I would do all of the meditations and stuff that they had happening in the ashram on top of that. So can you, yeah, and thank you for explaining that and um, just your insights. This is obviously a very, um, I don't know if I would go so far as to say, but it could be life-changing experience because it changed your course in the sense that the very least that you started meditating for a significant amount of time on a very regular basis, like daily, it sounds like. Yes. So for those who haven't meditated and experienced that, a lot of us have read books. A lot of us Westerners, like we like to hear books, but we don't necessarily want to go do things sometimes like, Oh, that's, I don't have time to go sit for two hours or whatever. But um, what is that like? Because you use, you can't put into words, right? It's like you talk about peace and clarity and these things that I think most of us would say, Oh yeah, I would like that. Is there any other ways we can describe what you experienced with that or what you continue to experience uh, through meditation, especially for those who haven't done it? I would say it is returning back to your authentic self. It is coming back home. Okay. It is, it is, it is being comfortable in your own skin with who you are right now and whatever is happening in your life right now. Yeah. That's beautiful. And that's, uh, boy, I can't tell you enough, like all of us, myself included, I'll just speak for me, but I will say, I think most people I know, sorry if you're listening, but I think most of us can benefit from that because we get lost in what we call, especially folks in that part of the world call the ego and yeah. uh, ourselves. And uh, I actually went to a counselor, I don't know, a few years ago, and he was really into this um, kind of meditation, mindfulness approach to therapy as well. But one of the things he said, he shared something that he had read, which was that the one you seek is the one seeking. And I was like, wow, that's very deep. Like what you're seeking out there in the world is actually you're seeking yourself and you're not going to find out there. You have to go into yourself to find it. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, any other insights on the meditation topic and how did that, how did that pivot to you know the next phase of your life? Yes. Yeah, so the reason I did this for so long, and this I spent five years on that trip, um, by the way, Phil, right? On the, let's call it the meditation deep dive. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, was a five-year journey of self-mastery. Yeah. So from the age of uh, 22 years old, um, you know, and yeah, add five years to that. So, so I felt like I was finding my purpose when I found meditation and personal growth. I felt like I was finding like maybe how somebody feels like when they find something that they're good at and that they love, like playing tennis or music or, you know, uh, some kind of a gift where you know you you have a gift. This is a talent. It, it lights up your soul. You can be busy with it all day long. Imagine... Yeah. A, a school system that would allow people to focus on their strengths, to focus on what they're good at, to focus on what they just naturally good at. Yeah. Now, being naturally good at something doesn't mean that you are master at that thing. That is, mastery comes through practice and repetition, right? 
So meditation was a doorway into my future. Yes, it, it, it was um, an opportunity for, for, for me, and this is what I teach people. Find out what you're good at. Find out what you love and dedicate yourself to that. Yeah. Dedicate yourself to just saying, I'm going to give myself permission to live a life where I get to do what I truly love. This is called freedom. And that's what I discovered when I was in India. I, find, I discovered freedom. I don't need to live in the box that the society has told me. This is the box from where you come from, your education background, your emotional development background, your, your you know, the, all of the, the usual things that should define my future, Phil, didn't because of this one turn that I made. I found something I loved and I followed it with all of my heart. And this decision to follow this pathway, of course, led me to, 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 to riches financially, to amazing people, you know, to do incredible things. It led me to so much beauty. That doesn't mean you don't, you bypass the natural, you know, pain and challenges of life, right? Yeah. Because we're living in a world that has, you know, it has a shadow or let's say darkness in order for light to be known, right? It has, um, let's say, hot and cold. It has opposites. It has two sides of the same coin. If, if you didn't know what sadness was, you wouldn't know happiness. Happiness wouldn't mean anything, right? So it's needed. These opposites are needed um, to be able to make sense of this world, right? So happiness wouldn't be anything if sadness wasn't there. Yeah. So we're living in this complex reality where sort of darkness is needed for light to be known and happiness is needed for, you know, for sadness to be known. So, you know, in India, I did this whole deep dive into understanding human consciousness and understanding how to interact in a world in a different way than I'd been taught in my upbringing you know, through my culture, through my religion, and through my education. I literally redesigned, uh, I, I would say I took myself apart and put myself together again as a more impactful human. <laughs> yeah, well, th by the way, that's a, that's a great, I think that's a great place. It certainly isn't a pleasant experience as you go through it, I don't think for some people. Um, I can't speak for you, but Sometimes people hit what we call a rock bottom in English. It's like, uh, and sometimes you have to tear things down completely in order to rebuild them uh, with a more solid foundation and, you know, more the way that it's going to be of most benefit, both to the individual, if we're talking about ourselves and those around them. Um, so uh, as hard as that process may be, sometimes it's an essential part of life, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so young Mahima decided I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That's what I'm going to do. I decided this after, after let's say, a, about half a year in India. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going back to Zimbabwe to get a job and follow what my society is telling me. I am going to figure out how to be an entrepreneur because freedom is my highest value. I need to figure this out. I need to figure out how to be free, yeah. <laughs> um, free from, from, and do what I want to do with my time. So that's what I did. I started just listening to my heart. I started following my impulses, my intuition. I started 
you know, carving out a new pathway. Everyone in my family thought I was mad. They thought India made me mad. They were like, oh my God, she's gone mad. Um, But over the years, I've gone from mad to genius. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look at you. Yeah. Well, it's so. But that might happen to some people, you know. So if you're not here listening on the call today, if you're trying to do something that, you know, you might not get approval from those closest to you, they might not understand what's going on, right? But it doesn't mean it's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to keep listening to your heart. And that heart might tell you to do things that no one else understands at that time, right? Like nobody could understand it. They kept on saying, why are you using all of your savings, you know, being on this trip? You should be back home, you know, getting a job and investing, you know, that money into um, into a, a house, into a property or do something, right? And I was like, I'm making the best investment in the world, which is into my sanity, okay? <laughs> so I think yeah. this is like the yeah. best investment you can make is to meet amazing people that help you transform um, and change your life if that's what you want to do, right? Which is certainly what I wanted to do. I wanted to have an extraordinary life. And my, and my teachers were telling me it's possible. It's possible to live creating outside of the box that you were born in. Mm-hmm. And that fascinated me. So I wanted to know more. And so all of my self-study was knowing that I was going to teach this because I knew from the beginning when I started that I was born to do something with personal growth work. I just knew it. After that first awakening uh, meditation and everything that happened after that, I just knew this is going to be my life. I didn't know how it was going to be my life. I didn't know the how, but I knew the what. Because I believe that when you find your gift there's just a magical feeling inside of you where you just know, I want to do more of this. Even if people didn't pay me, I would still do this. Yeah, but of course you want to be paid as well and you know um, make, a, make a, a good living and, and create a, um, a safe and beautiful life for yourself. So it's not about doing something you know, without getting the, the, you know, the let's say, um, the rewards of, of, um, of creating a life that you love, depending on what that is for you. For me, financial independence coming from a poverty background and mindset is something very important to me. Yeah. Right? And being able to do that with your passion, that's even more extraordinary. And so that's literally what I help people to figure out, right? How can you get out of the box that you feel trapped in, if you do feel like you're trapped in a box, right? That your past keeps on defining your future. And you just keep coming up against the same problems. How do you get out of that? The key is internal transformation. You change the story running inside and then you change the pattern. You change what you're creating externally, Mm. right? Yeah. Well, what's interesting about what you're telling me too is it's, it's you having come to terms with your true self and your talent and you know, your voice, if you will, mm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And so uh, doing that, a lot of, you know, people talk about, there's this expression about don't die with the music still in you, whether you're a musician mm. or composer or whatever that quote unquote music is for somebody. I know you talk about something about unleashing your strength, which I like that terminology because 
sometimes we keep things leashed inside us where it's like, oh, I can't let this out. I got to go work at this or that job. And that's not to disparage anybody who, who's on that path, but there might be more to what you can offer the world and find satisfaction for yourself, right? By first coming in, into tune with it. And then it sounds like there's a leap of faith element of this because you had to go against what everyone was telling you to go take this leap of faith, as, as we say, to, to pursue entrepreneurship and helping people the way that you do now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about that, that particular aspect of it, of, you know, finding that empowerment, that freedom. And I really honor that, you know, that you're using the word freedom. I mean, cause I talk a lot about that. Everything we do is either empowering or disempowering us, you know, freeing or imprisoning us. And so we have to really self-assess on a regular basis to make course corrections as to what that means. But what is that leap of faith like? I mean, it sounds like you were, you had a strong conviction <laughs> to, to sustain you through that leap of faith. Was it a difficult journey? Absolutely. I mean, okay, it's it's actually yes and no is the answer to that. Was it difficult? And I'll explain um, why. Okay. Um, it wasn't difficult because the gift that I got from my time spent in India was that I learned how to be present in the here and now and how to truly enjoy each moment as it's unfolding in front of me. Yeah. I really gave myself that gift of understanding that who we are is more important than what we have and what we're doing. Who we are inside, like when you enter into a space, what that space becomes because you're there, how you feel inside of yourself and how you feel inside of the world. This is the most important thing. And then everything else on top of that is a bonus. So I was coming from that place, Phil, with all of these hours and hours of meditation, you know, and and then I'd go away. I'd I'd be in India, like the first trip I was in India was for 18 months. And then I went back home and I wanted to, I wanted to test drive how I would feel when I'd be in a normal environment not in the ashram, not surrounded by all of these amazing people who would, you know, do all these incredible things all, you know, all day with you. It was just like such a great place for, for, you know, learning and growing and expanding. You were in like a hub of creativity and, and it was amazing. So I wanted to go back because I always knew that for me, it's important to be true to those teachings by living it in my everyday life. So you know, let's say after 18 months, I'd go back to Zimbabwe and I'd stay there for three, four months and I'd feel really amazing, even though there was nobody that even understood what was going on with me there. I felt so encouraged because I was able to maintain that presence inside of myself. My parents and all my friends, although they thought I was mad (laughs) in one way, they absolutely loved my transformation. They loved my transformation. We would laugh so much together. And I I literally rose the frequency of everybody I I met because I was so deeply immersed in this understanding that nothing, there's nothing existing outside of this moment. Nothing. We fabricated in our mind by, you know, like remembering the past. 
So we think, you know, we still have those feelings. Some of them are good feelings. Some of them are hurt feelings. So, you know, we, we, mm. we, we spend a lot of time in the past. We spend a lot of time in the future worrying about what could happen, what may happen, you know, um, being fearful of, you know, of our future. But learning how to be in the presence of the now, that was the gift that I gave to myself in all of the, that time that I spent um, mainly being in India. And then I'd go back to India. I'd spend another six months there and then I traveled to New York. And then I spent another, you know, eight months in India and then I traveled to um, to Bali. And so I lived this kind of like uh, eclectic lifestyle of just being a kind of free spirit and traveling around <laughs> the, the world um, because I knew that my path is freedom right freedom of the the norm of what society says this is how a woman should live her life this is how a black woman should live her life this yeah. is how an, a person with your education should be living her life i left school at 16 phil yeah. right so i shouldn't have all of the things that i have i shouldn't have created all of this success and you know uh, amazing life that i've created this shouldn't be my story right and it wouldn't be my story, um, Phil, if I hadn't had other people help me to see things differently and to create a different life. So I really believe in, in the power of associating yourself with people that are further than you on a path that interests you. Right. I believe that's the key. If, I, if there's anything that anyone could take away from me on this call is find people that have done what you want to do and be around them and let them teach you how they did it. Let them show you how they did it. Let them share with you the wisdom that they have that can help you to raise up, right? Um, so I've been that person. I've been willing to learn. I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a, um, a, a learner. Um, I love growing and I love having people support me to continue untapping the brilliance that I feel is inside of me and every and not just me other all the people that I meet right we have so much more inside of us that we haven't been introduced to because unfortunately we have a school system that puts people into a mental state as opposed to an emotional state of experiencing life right so you know that that education that inner education if you could find a way to do that work you'd be amazed at how much transformation you can achieve in your life and that's what your podcast is all about right empowering humans yeah. digging into how can we be better right well and i think there's a ton of value in everything you just said because i think it's very universal in the sense that we're all here regardless of the differences and you know whatever that might be religious and whatnot whatever's right or wrong is what it is, but we're still, we are who we are. And it's so important to get to know that, to really uh, come to terms with that. And, and so not to pivot too much, but having talked a little bit about your journey, how, you know, for anyone listening and myself included, how does somebody kind of really begin that journey, that inner peace, uh, self-reflection place, and then find this mission and higher purpose in life. I know you used a term earlier about something that lights up your soul. How do people do that? I mean, I guess you kind of alluded to it with the whole meditation uh, topic, but do you have any more advice or tips or obviously you help a lot of people with these things uh, around the world. Uh, what what are your thoughts in, in people starting that journey? Okay. So, 
I guess I think that it's important to know if you're listening to this right now, it's because there's something inside of you that's looking for an answer of some kind, or else you wouldn't be here right now listening to this. So it's taking what's coming towards you and deciding if that touches you, then you want to take some action steps towards that. Right. So I had that experience in my first ever meditation. Now, I could have literally walked away and, you know, and just gone shopping in, in India, which is one of my favorite things to do, by the way. Mm-hmm. Right? I um, just could have gone shopping and, you know, back then there were no mobile phones, so I wouldn't have played with my mobile phone. But I could have just <laughs> done something else, Phil, is what I'm trying to say. Right. But I chose to lean in. I chose to honor that this thing had come into my life and I wanted to know more about it, right? So everything is there provided for us. We get the information. And so if you're here on this podcast right now, I I really want to invite you, if you've never done any meditation, if it's okay, Phil, to offer my 21-day meditation challenge, which is just such a great way to get introduced to this because, you know, it's easy. It's 15 minutes. Uh, it's 10 to 15 minutes a day maximum, right? And, you know, I don't believe that people need to meditate for hours and hours and hours every day. I did that because, first of all, it was 25 years ago. It's a very different time than what we're living in now, right? Um, we've evolved so much, this message of of peace of let's get together as humans let's find more joy let's find more happiness together this is more this is you know like i go into companies and teach this stuff 25 years ago that wouldn't have been possible right so Mm. we're in a different place right now you don't need hours and hours of meditation i needed that because i knew that this would be something i would be teaching others and really developing you know, um, developing uh, techniques, strategies, ideas of how to take people from where they are, let's say with their level of comfort inside of themselves to be able to just sit and be with themselves, to be able to do a short, you know, exercises that allow them to start tasting more freedom internally, right? So guided meditation is a very powerful way to get started. If you've never done meditation, I wouldn't say, hey, just go and sit and breathe. I would say, you know, get to guided meditation as a first step, right? Um, I love to work with silence, um, Phil, because I believe that silence is food for your soul. Mm. Like water is for the body, essential. Silence is essential for your soul, right? So in my meditations, what I do is I talk. And when I'm speaking, I'm planting um, seeds of thinking and feeling differently, like feeling and thinking differently about the world around you and about yourself. So these words that I speak help you to start changing perspectives, right? And then there's lots of stillness, which means silence. There's no music. I don't have music inside of my um, um, guided meditations. There's just stillness. And in the stillness, I ask you to just breathe. Just breathe. Because your breath is always in the moment. Your breath cannot go to the past or the future. Your body is always present in the moment. And so once you, you know, what what meditation is, it's self-love. 
It is the willingness to be with yourself in a mm. loving, kind, and respectful way. That's all it is. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off, but that's, I was, I'm just thinking as you're saying it, that's very deep. And it's also, <clears throat> excuse me, that's also very simple. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> finding a place of silence. Um, you know, I, for one, have done guided meditation. I haven't done a lot of sitting in silence, and so maybe I'm scared what I'll find about myself doing that, but <laughs> I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it, maybe it's just the Western society in me as well that, oh, we can't sit in silence. We've always got to have a smartphone or a TV going or some music or something, but um, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, maybe Simon and Garfunkel were onto something with the sound of silence with that song, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of depth to what you're saying. One of the things I'm thinking about personally um, is, you know, based on our childhood, like in your case, you have some childhood wounds, it sounds like. I sounds like you've come to a, a positive place with all that and maybe healed from some or all of that. But and I do, too. And I think most people do. How do people come to terms with that? Because some of that really informs what we do as adults in this. Like in my case, I have certain I'll just be honest even though I'm trying to empower humans here, obviously I have certain things with like trust and, you know, just stuff that came from my childhood family situation. How do people come to terms with those things to really uh, connect more with the world around them? Maybe connect more with themselves. Maybe we judge ourselves and others too much in that process. Is there, is there some added depth you can share in that department? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what I figured out up to now is that there are layers of self. Yeah. Okay, We're not one dimensional, like the world would like us to think, right? So most people, if you ask, who am I? Who are you? They'll say, you know, I'm Mahima. I'm 50 years old. I'm a personal growth mentor. Um, and I live in Switzerland, right? Yeah. So that is what I call the surface level of self, okay? And there is a deeper level of self. And in the deeper level of self, your, your, your pure being, your pure essence, your pure awareness, okay? So I want you to think a bit of it like this. Like there is the body and the body, the story all belongs to the body. We're going deep here now. I know we are. Okay, yeah. for those of you, just bear with me for a second, right? Sure. So oh, your yeah. body, your body is a container for something. And at one point, that something, let's call it soul, leaves the body, right? But the body is the one that had all of the story. You know, my name belongs to this body, right? Um, it's a label for me, Mahima, right? Um, but in, in the true essence, I'm not my body because my body can be gone any second, right? So once you start understanding that there is more to you than your body, name, story, right? That's when you start to be able to create some distance between your body, your name, your story, and actually be in a deeper dimension of self. And in this deeper dimension of self, you can experience freedom, peace, safety, trust, wholeness, complete. You, 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 do, this, you do this work in terms of starting to become more still. Yes. And in the stillness, what you find 
is that when you're truly connected to yourself and think about this as different layers, what I said before, mm-hmm. when you're truly connected to yourself, what happens is you feel safe, you feel trust, you feel whole and complete, you feel peaceful, you feel freedom, you feel you feel that there is not, that, that everything is perfect as it is right now. This is called being. It's a state of being. And many people know this more unconsciously, right? So when, when, the, when you just feel like everything's perfect, you're, you don't feel like you're complaining about anything. There's no worries. And you can usually feel this in this kind of special moments of life right? So most people feel this, uh, they know this unconsciously, like, you know, maybe when you haven't been to the ocean for a long time, and then you go to the ocean, and then it's just this awesome feeling, like everything's perfect, you feel amazing, your feet are in the sand, you know, the, 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 the sun is kissing your skin, the wind's blowing in your hair, the sound of the ocean is there, and you're just transfixed, and you just feel perfect. Mm. This is a perfect moment and everything is beautiful. Yeah. Right. And we we drift in and out of this consciousness of self, the deeper layer of self, um, throughout our whole lives. And for me, the magic is when you awaken to this layer of self, and now it can become a part of your everyday life. So you don't have these special moments just when special things happen. You, you can have these special moments just literally because you choose to. You choose to, to stop in the middle of your day and just be. And maybe in that just being, you might be outside just listening to the birds or looking up at the sky or, and not trying to achieve something or do something or become something. You're off of that, that, that feeling of something's missing and I need to be doing something in order to feel feel complete. You, you're away from that and you're in this place where you feel perfectly perfect in your mm. imperfections. So this is the, the self-realization that I teach people, that I, uh, I show um, people how to, how, where to look, where to look to start finding this level of freedom. So one of the things my teachers taught me, he used to say, Mahima, I want to teach you an inner peace, a love, and a joy that's not dependent on outside circumstances, events, or people. Mm. <laughs> that's what he yeah. used to say all the time. I want to teach you an inner peace, a love, and a joy that's not dependent on outside circumstances, events, or people. So in our essence, Phil, we all are whole and complete. There is a part of us that is pure beingness. It is pure light. It is pure stillness. And when we go to that place, it is the greatest gift we can give ourselves and the world. And if we can allow ourselves to start acting from that place, doing things from that place of wholeness, whew, and it's yeah. really it's exciting. Well, you know what's beautiful about what you're describing there too is that you know, one of the Hebrew words for God is Elohim, which literally means man of holiness. And and I and I do a lot of etymology kind of study myself. I look at what the roots of words. Holiness itself means being whole or complete. And I've talked about this before, both, you know, with friends and even on the podcast. And so it's a lot of what you're talking about, finding that place of wholeness 
another, and we've talked about the word for joy in Hebrew also means alignment. And and more specifically, it goes deeper to say alignment with God, who by all accounts is whole and complete by uh, these words that we use. I think we can, a lot of these words can be very instructive for us. Um, what, why do you think that's so elusive for us to get to that place that, that we have to um, really fight? I don't know if fight is the right word, but really take some intentional effort to get to that place of feeling complete or, or the things that you're describing about pure light and stillness and inner peace and love and joy. Why, mm. why is it so elusive <laughs> for us as people that we have to go? Maybe, maybe it's just because we allow ourselves to get so distracted. And so we need to like flush that out on a very regular basis and get back to who we are because the world is so distracting. But any other insights as to why that's so it requires th- that effort? I would say because of our school system is one thing, right? Mm. It it trains you to be a thinker instead of to to be, yeah, to be in this whole incompleteness. School is all about what you you need to focus on learning all of this stuff in order to become better. It's not, hey, you're okay, you're perfect as you are. Now you can just become more you can just become more so we're going to teach you how to become more but you're absolutely perfect as you are right Right, so we don't have that system it's something's wrong with you you don't know maths you don't know one plus one like some people are really good at maths and others are not you know and you're bad at maths and so you 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 suffer i mean i know uh parents that come you know to to the workshops that i do and the trainings that i do and they're like you know like like help us our kids are suffering they they like my kid is not good at maths and the school just wants him to do more maths lessons and i have to do pri- you know private maths lessons and and they're not focusing on what he is good at right yeah. he doesn't get to why don't they give us extra lessons in what we're good at <laughs> i mean wouldn't that be amazing like having a school system that would allow you to say you're really good at this you should get extra lessons on this so you can really thrive, right? Um, so unfortunately, Phil, we're taught that we that the feeling of, of disconnecting from this place of wholeness starts there when we start, you know, having to learn stuff. And it's not fun because not everybody, you know, it's like they, they're making sausages in school, you know. <laughs> you know, that's what's happening. It's not about creating unique individuals that get to, find their true gifts and, and, and become powerful. And, you know, it would be a very difficult school system to figure out, but it's already happening. There are people that are disrupting the system and saying, hey, let's, let's see how else could we be educating people, right? But what, what I know from myself at school, I was lucky because I was relatively good at school. Like I kind of learned quite fast and I was okay. Math wasn't my strongest suit. Um, but I was really good at all the other stuff. I wasn't an AA student, but I would get A's, I would get B's and, you know, occasionally I would get a C here and there. Right. (laughs) Um, So, so, so that's where it starts this. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Look at him. Mm. She's better. He's better. And we are comparing all the time. You have the A students and you there, and maybe you're not an A student and you start to feel you're not enough. Right. Um, And then also, the, 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 this kind of like, if we talk about cultures within countries, there's all this separation, like, you know, 
I don't know. I know that they have this in America. It's like we are the best, right? And and the Africans, no, we are the best. And the Jewish people, no, we are the best. And all of this <laughs> stuff of competing and and not really looking for connection. It's looking to feel better by tearing others down. That's kind of what we've built as a society, in in my personal yes. view of things. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think I think that is yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think that really is telling as to our natural tendencies as human beings to, and, and what we're really doing, if we're being honest, is compensating for some level of insecurity to say, no, I'm better. And I'm, and it doesn't mean like here in this capitalistic society, we're always striving for the trophy to be the best at mm -hmm. sports or the best, uh, you know, company and make the most money and all those things. Right. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But if we're compensating for something within ourselves, I think there is something wrong with that. And, I, and I've seen it and it's played out in my own life. It's, there's all kinds of ways this happens, whether it's drugs, whether it's uh, external things. I have to prove something by having the coolest car or house so that everyone sees that. But it, all that ends up being is external stuff, which is everything, <clears throat> excuse me, that you're talking about. Um, and so is, do you have any insights on the whole compensating thing? I know we're getting ready to wrap up here, but, and <clears throat> excuse me, and we'll talk about your challenge uh, as well. And, and maybe talk about that also, but how do we free ourselves from just this um, instead of going within ourselves and finding uh, all these things, this voice of truth and peace and clarity and all the things you're talking about, people externally uh, find ways to compensate and just like feel better, you know, whether it's literally through drugs or, or something that just makes you feel better for a moment because I have a cool car. And, and yeah, as you answer that, tell me about the challenge too. It's one human at a time. So if you're listening to this, just really look for yourself and ask yourself the question, am I looking for external things to make me feel better about who I am? And if that is the case, you're okay, because most people, that's what's happening. But is that what you want to continue being for yourself, right. right? So if the answer is no, then we need to start finding different ways. So again, your life is precious and we now know through this whole thing that's happening in the world more than ever how fast it can all be over right we do not know how much time we have and so you want to make sure that whatever time you do have being in this amazing beautiful body that which is a gift to make the most out of it by by feeling into your heart every single day and aspiring to be the best version of yourself in terms of what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and the actions that you take, right? And this is not about being perfect because, you know, that's just impossible. It's impossible to be a perfect human, no matter how much, even the Dalai Lama, people were asking him like, um, you know, do you get angry? And his answer was so beautiful. He said, does a dog bark? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, because people have this concept that when you you know when you start working on yourself intensively that you're going to become some kind of saint that you know just sort of floats above the earth and you know <laughs> I, I i really think that our humanness doesn't go away but we just learn how to you know be more graceful in it yes right so it is about you know you know the impact that you're looking to make with people it's about connection your life is not about how much money is in your bank account. If you're miserable, it doesn't matter. 
And we've seen this over and over. We've seen evidence of this, right? We've seen successful people with everything you could imagine. And they're miserable, as you said, compensating with drugs, with alcohol, right? Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, so many people you could name, right? That, you know, and, and so we know that that's not what's going to give us happiness. And yet we still look for fulfill, fulfillment in that. So if you're listening to this, just make a decision. Just make a decision that you want to do things differently. And, you, you, and it's about working on yourself as an individual. Now, I don't believe that working on yourself needs to be some hard, long journey. I, I came from a place of joy. My first meditation was pure joy and bliss. When I sat for two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening, it was because I was blissed out, Phil. That's mm. why I did it. I, it was like, you know, like I felt so great that, you know, and that's what I teach people. They come into our um, workshops and they feel amazing. They, they're like, this is so easy. I'm like, yes, because it's who you are. I'm not teaching you something new. I'm just, I'm just, show, I'm just saying, acknowledge yourself. Acknowledge the truth that's already inside of you. And now give space to this every single day, right? So snap out of that, I'll be happy when. I get this. I'll be happy when I get that next education. I'll be happy when I meet my man and I have my kids and I'll be happy when I have the house on the lake. None of that's going to give you the satisfaction you're looking for. What you're really looking for is to be peaceful and graceful now, here, today. And yeah. so that, yeah, and that's a choice. We're only ever making two choices in life is to lean into our pain or to lean into our self, our truth, our relaxation, our bliss, right? So find people like myself, like, you know, like Phil, because you're here listening to this, that are looking to empower themselves and then start just start listening to them, start following their podcast, start listening to the, you know, like if, my, if, if, if they've touched your heart, go after it. You know, I love in your... Um, uh, in your philosophy, you say, um, Phil, you say, get hungry and stay hungry, right? I, I, I am hungry for transformation of myself, right? Continue to evolve so that when I walk into a space, I know that I can elevate that space with, mm. with, um, with my heart, with my ideas, with my voice, with who I am, right? But I need to work on that to be that kind of person, right? Um, you say, free yourself, Work on, you know, understanding what limiting beliefs are holding you back, right? Like, it's hard to meditate. Meditation is self-love. That's all it is. Find someone who says it's easy, like me, and I'll show you how easy it is. It's super easy. <laughs> Get my 21-day meditation challenge and see how easy it is. People love it. They're like, I'm blown away. I can't believe meditation is so easy. I thought it was hard, right? And um, also, if you like more of this stuff, please join my challenge. It's starting on the 26th of July. It will be at 12 o'clock Central European time. It's called the Men for More Challenge. You can go um, on Facebook, actually, and join the group, Men for More. Um, and I can also share the link so you can register for the event with Phil, and maybe he'll post it with this video. So you just click on the link and register. It's a, a one-week journey. We'll be meeting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, through to Friday, and we'll meet for 90 minutes and... Um, you know, I, I want to just share strategies and techniques that help people figure out how to be playing a bigger game in this world. That's what makes us 
reach when we're playing a bigger game. Now, it's not about, I'm not happy with my life right now, and so I'm miserable and I wanna play a bigger game. Like, that's not what, what I'm talking about. You can still be peaceful, powerful, and present in the here and now, feel whole and complete. But say, I wanna make sure that every step that I'm taking is on the right path, that I'm really following my true heart and my true calling, and that I'm not wasting a whole bunch of time doing stuff that doesn't really bring me towards what I truly want to create in my life. Yeah. That's it. That's what the challenge is gonna be about, just really looking to see, are you truly aligned with your bigger vision and purpose in this world? Yeah, beautiful. And it's nice that you you kind of close that with the word aligned, because again, that's what one of the things I learned. Someone taught me the word joy means alignment in Hebrew and in other ways. And so let's align with ourselves and find that that more meaningful, lasting joy and satisfaction and clarity. And uh, so again, it's the meant for more challenge. And your website is the mahimamindset.com, right? And Mahima is M-A-H-I-M-A, the mahimamindset.com. And also you had the meditation challenge. How can people uh, get on one or both of these challenges? Is it all right there on the, on the website? On the website, you, you won't find the link to, to, to the challenge, but you will find the 21 day meditation challenge. It's okay. right there on the front page. It will say, you know, um, put in your information, just email a name, and then we'll email you the 21 day med- access to the challenge. And then you can get started. Um, and um, and so that's pretty easy. Uh, so go to the mahimamindset.com and get your copy of the 21 day meditation challenge, get yourself registered, and then they'll give you access to the challenge. And the other one, the um, the men for more play a bigger game, you could go to the um, to Facebook and actually just search for men for more challenge, play a bigger game. Um, and you'll find the Facebook group, you'll ask to join it and, you know, we'll get you hooked up. Um, or else there's possibly um, the possibility with this to share a link as well, um, where you could just maybe where the podcast is. I don't know how you do that, Phil, but um, if that's not possible, then this way that I said would be the best way. Okay, good. Yeah, well, send me all that and we'll make sure it's in the show notes somehow as well. And, okay, uh, cool. and then that way everything will be covered. Well, Mahima, I can't thank you enough for everything and for joining us from the other side of the world, almost from Switzerland. And uh, despite a couple little internet issues, it's beautiful that we can even communicate like this, you know, across the world, essentially for free these days. Um, and so we should all just be grateful that we live at a time that we can do this. And uh, and I'm very grateful for all your insights and um and so everybody jump on that challenge, go to the mahimamindset.com and also get on the meditation uh, challenge and uh, we'll have links for everything that we can in the show notes. And uh, until next time, of course, for our audience, we're grateful and, and very flattered as usual that you spend time with us. And until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.